Hey, good evening, guys. I don't know. All right, sweet, my mic's on. How are you guys doing? Did you guys have a good day? Good, good, good. So, we're just going to jump right in tonight. We're not going to waste any time messing around. Over the the last day and a half, uh, we've talked about the truth of God. We've talked about the fact that God is true that he is the only true God, that he's the alpha, the omega, he's the creator and sustainer of all things, everything that exists, he spoke into existence with the very power of his voice. He is true God, he is truth itself, he is the standard of truth by which all other truth claims are to be measured. Talked about God, then we talked about scripture, We talked about the Bible. We talked about the fact that that same God, that true God, the God of truth, put his word on paper for us, put his truth down in this book that we might know it, that this book is filled with the truth of God, that every word of it is God-breathed, but it's the words of the true God. Today, we're going to talk about the truth of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the truth of God, the truth of Scripture, and now the truth of Jesus. And the central question that we're going to ask tonight and that I want you to ask yourselves tonight is a question that Jesus asks to his disciples. In a famous um, interaction between Jesus and his disciples, his, his closest followers, His friends, in the book of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says this. If you want to turn there, it's in Matthew 16. We'll start in verse 13. Says this, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist. And others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And listen to this. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? The most important question that has ever been asked of anyone, a question that is asked of everyone, Jesus asks it here to his disciples. And he says, who do you say that I am? That's what I want to ask you tonight. Who do you say that Jesus is? Because here's the thing. Regardless of where you're at with this whole Jesus thing, this church thing, this Bible thing, you need to have an answer to this question. See, you don't get the luxury of not having an answer to the question of who do you say that Jesus is? And some of you might be sitting there and you're you're saying, I say he's a fairy tale. I don't even think this guy existed. Well, putting aside that that actually is an answer to the question of who do you say Jesus is, it's not even a viable one because historians of all different stripes and backgrounds and beliefs confirm that a man named Jesus of Nazareth lived, that he walked on the earth. The question is not whether Jesus exists. The question is, who is he? Who is he? 
Who is he really, truly? Who is this guy named Jesus? This man, this carpenter from the back end of Israel who turned the world upside down? This teacher from the middle of nowhere whose teachings within a few generations had toppled the most powerful empire in the world? Who is he? Who is Jesus? And everyone has an answer to this question. Everyone has an answer. Our answers tend to fall into three different categories. There are really three options when it comes to this question of who is Jesus. The first is that we say that Jesus is a wise teacher. Jesus is a, is a wise teacher. He's a, he's a, a spiritual sage. He, he's this, this wise man who, who would teach people things like love your neighbors. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. That we should, that we should give to the poor. Jesus is this kind of wise, moral teacher. He's this um, moral luminary. That's option one. And in fact, that's probably what most people across the world would say about Jesus. They would say that he's a wise, moral teacher, but ultimately he's just a man. He, he's wise, he's good, he's kind, he's this very virtuous person that's worth looking up to, but he's nothing more than that. He's just a man, he's just flesh and blood, that's all that he is. This is what most people would say of Jesus, most atheists even would say of Jesus, something along these lines. It's also what many religions say of Jesus. It's what Islam says of Jesus, that he was a prophet, but nothing more. He was a good teacher, but nothing more. It's what Mormonism, it's what Jehovah's Witnesses will say of Jesus. They might say that he is more than a man, but he's less than God. And ultimately, he's a prophet. He is a teacher. He's a rabbi. He is a, a visionary, a philosopher, um, a good moral leader. So that's option one of our answers as to who Jesus is. It's that Jesus is a luminary. It's a luminary. Option two is that Jesus is a con man. That everything that Jesus said was a lie. That he was a con man looking for a big score. That he swindled all those people that followed him that he lied and he lied and he lied, that he pulled one over on the entire world, and in fact, that he perpetrated the biggest fraud in history, a fraud that changed the course of history, and all doesn't make sense at the end of the day because all of this con man really got for his troubles was crucifixion. But that's the other option, right? We have that he is a luminary or that he is a liar, possibly even a lunatic, Maybe, maybe he really believed what he said, but he was just off his rocker. He was just crazy. These were the ramblings of a disturbed individual. And for some reason, so many people listened. So this is option one and option two, that he is a luminary, a good moral teacher, or that he is a liar. He's a con man. He's a crazy person. Then, of course, there's the third option. And the third option is that he's not just a moral teacher. He's not just a wise man who lived and died a long time ago. 
and that he's not crazy and he's not lying, but that he is exactly who he says he is. That he is not a luminary and he's not a liar, but he is Lord. See, no matter who you are, when you think about Jesus, chances are your answer falls into one of those three categories. He's a good guy, but that's all that he is. He's a liar or a crazy person, or he is exactly who he tells us that he is. Well, we're going to look at the answer to that question, that question of who is Jesus? Who do we say that he is? And we're going to look at it out of the book of John, right? We've been in John all week, so Tonight, we're going to see who Jesus is shown to be in the words of the book of John. Now, what's interesting about this question, this debate, these three options of who Jesus is, is this is not a new question. It's not a new conflict. And none of these three answers to the question are new either. Because if we look at the book of John, what we'll see is throughout Jesus' life and ministry, this debate about whether Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, a luminary, or Lord, that rages on in the background. And as we see as Jesus goes throughout his ministry, he'll go somewhere, he'll do some miracle, he'll teach, and then when he leaves, we see the people arguing amongst themselves. Some of them saying, this man is a prophet. Some of them saying, no, he's a sinner. He has a demon. He's crazy. And this This debate is raging on all throughout the background of the book of John. But when we want to get to the the answer to this question, I think we have to approach it like we would anything else. If you want to know the truth about someone, you have two tools that can help you get to the truth. The first is you look at their actions, and the second is you look at their words. Right? So if if I say that I love my wife... That's something that's going to be communicated in both my actions and my words. And if one of those things is out of step, then I don't actually love my wife, right? If I say to my wife, hey, I love you, but then I, I never take her out to dinner, I never buy her flowers, I never do the dishes, I never do anything to put her in front of myself, I can say I love you until I'm blue in the face, but the truth is I don't because I'm not treating her with love, right? But on the flip side... If I take my wife out on this this nice date and all these things, but I never open my mouth and say, Anna, I love you, how loved is my wife going to feel, right? We communicate the truth of who we are in both our actions and our words, and the same is true for Christ. So as we look through the book of John, with this debate about who Jesus is raging in the background, we're going to look at both the actions of Christ and the words of Christ. And between those actions and words, we're going to be able to stitch together a picture of who Jesus is, according to the book of John. So what we'll do is we will go into one specific story in John, and we'll use that as a guide to jump into a bunch of different places in the book of John. So where we left off in the narrative, we had just sort of begun, right? The prologue to John talks about how the word, how God took on flesh and became man. 
And then it goes to Jesus gathering his disciples. And the disciples, when they see Jesus, what do they say? They say, the Messiah has come. The promised one is here. And so we're going to follow him. And then once Jesus has his disciples, he begins his ministry. And his ministry is Jesus traveling all over the nation, telling people about the kingdom of God, making claims about himself, and performing these miracles, these signs, these these miraculous works. And one of those miracles, one of those signs that Jesus performed is in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we're going to be starting in verse 1. We're going to see Jesus as he heals a man who was born blind. So John 9, starting in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, that means teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva and he anointed the man's eyes with mud and he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so he went and he washed and he came back seeing. A man blind from birth, Jesus comes to him, he heals him, he sends him to wash in the pool after making this mud and putting it on his eyes and the man came back and his sight is restored. It's a man who's never seen before in his life, this interaction with Jesus. Jesus shows his power by allowing this man to see once again. And listen to what continues here as we see this man start to struggle through this question of who is Jesus. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is he. And others said, no, but it is like him. Said, no, it's a a guy that looks like him. It's not really the blind man. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And I went and I washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. So then they brought him to the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the religious rulers of the time. They're the people in authority, the people in power, and they hate Jesus. So they bring this blind man, formerly blind man, to the Pharisees. We see this. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes. The blind man said, he is a prophet. So this man who was blind from birth, who had never seen anything, then Jesus comes along, does this miraculous sign. He spits in the mud, spits in the dirt, makes it into mud, wipes it over the guy's eyes, says, go and wash your eyes. When he does that, now he can see. 
And the people go, surely this isn't the man who was blind. And he goes, no, it's me, it's me. So they take him before the religious authorities. They take him before the Jewish leaders and they say, how did this happen? He said, Jesus did it. And they say, okay, since Jesus healed your eyes, who do you say that Jesus is? The same question that we just saw Jesus himself ask to Peter. Who do you say that Jesus is? And how does the blind man respond? He says, he is a prophet. He's a prophet. You see, the blind man here, I'm calling him the blind man, he's not blind anymore, the seeing man, we'll go with that. The seeing man here, he says he's a prophet. See, he responds with this Jesus, he's a luminary. He's a good moral teacher. He's, he's someone who is sent by God. And we see this through his miracles. See, he, he says, this man healed me. The Pharisees themselves are split. Some of them are saying that Jesus is a sinner. He's not from God. Others are saying, how could a sinner do something like this? This miracle, this incredible sign that Jesus worked, it points towards him being someone who has come from God. And so the blind man says that he is a prophet. You see, Jesus' actions in this instance ruled out that he was a liar. If Jesus was a guy who was just full of a bunch of lies and nonsense, if Jesus was a guy who was just making this all up, if Jesus was a con man, if Jesus was a crazy person, he would not have been able to heal this man of this disability that he had had since birth. A man who had never been able to see and now he's seeing with his own two eyes and so this man knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is not some con man, that there is something here but he doesn't get the whole picture and he says he's a prophet. He's a prophet. Jesus' actions had ruled out that he was a liar because a sinner couldn't have made him see or couldn't have done the many other miracles that we see Jesus do in the book of John. Just a quick list. In chapter two of the book of John, we see Jesus' first miracle as he turns the water at a wedding into wine. In chapter five, we see him healing a lame man, a man who was not able to walk, and Jesus says, get up, take up your mat, and go, and he does it. The lame can walk. In chapter six, we see Jesus taking just two, or sorry, five loaves of bread and two fish and feeding a crowd of 5,000 people. Also in chapter six, we see Jesus walking on water. In chapter nine, we see this instance with the blind man, man blind from birth, and now he is given his sight, he is able to see. In chapter 11, we see Jesus' incredible miracles culminate when he raises Lazarus from the dead. When his friend Lazarus, who has been dead for days and laid in the tomb, is rotting away and Jesus walks up and he says, Lazarus, rise up and walk. And he does just that. A liar can't do that. A lunatic can't do that. A con artist can't do that. A sinner can't do that. And that's what the blind man here knows. And so what does he say? He says, He's a prophet. He's a prophet. He, he's a good moral teacher. He's a man with an anointing, a blessing from God. And so he's doing these miracles on behalf of God. But there's a problem with what the blind man has said here. 
and calling Jesus a prophet and saying that he's just a prophet. Because you see, while Jesus' actions rule out the fact that he was a, a liar or a lunatic, his actions rule out the possibility that he's a liar or a lunatic, his words rule out the possibility that he's just a luminary. His words rule out the possibility that he's just a prophet. His words rule out the possibility that he's just a moral teacher. Because you see, as Jesus went about in his ministry, his actions impressed most. People would see him do incredible things like feeding a massive crowd of people from just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And then they would follow him and say, Jesus, Jesus, we want to know more from you. And then Jesus would start talking. And he would say things that were hard to understand, that were hard to believe, hard, painful truths. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus goes and the people follow him and he says, I am the bread of life. And that if you want life, you need to rely on me. He says, you must Eat my body is what he actually says. And he's talking about how his body must be given. He must die for his people. And the people hate him for what he says. They love him for what he does and they hate him for what he says. They're impressed by his actions, but they're angered by his words. See, his actions ruled out the possibility that he was a liar, but his words ruled out the possibility that he was a luminary, and that's why the Pharisees hated him. Those religious rulers, they hated him, not for his actions primarily, but for what he said. So let's continue on here in the story of the man who was previously blind, and let's see the Pharisees as they show what they think of Jesus. So we're in verse 18 picking up after his proclamation that Jesus is a prophet, it says this, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? And his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, and he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, then he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So even this man's parents are afraid of these Jewish leaders, afraid of the Pharisees. So then for a second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, give glory to God because we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen, so why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses, for we know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. 
And the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, then he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. And so they cast him out. See, the Pharisees are hammering on this idea that Jesus is a sinner. They're hammering on this idea that he is a liar, that he is a con artist, that he is not really who he says he is. And how does the man respond? He goes, look, I don't know, but what I do know is I was blind and now I see. And if I was blind and now I see, and Jesus is the one who did that, then he can't be the liar that you're telling me he is. But the Pharisees are insistent and they're saying, look, you're a sinner too, and now you're gonna tell us what to think? We know that this man is a sinner. We know that this Jesus is a liar. We know that he's a con artist. We know that he is not who he says he is. And why do the Pharisees hate him so much? Why are they so angry at Jesus? Why are they so unwilling to believe that Jesus is at least a prophet as the blind man is saying that he is? Well, it's because they had heard Jesus speak before and they didn't like what he had to say. All throughout the book of John, Jesus makes these bold statements about who he is. We see in John chapter five, verse 17, he says, my father God is working. Jesus claims to be the son of God and in this culture, that makes him equal with God. Jesus claims equality with God in John chapter five, verse 17. In John chapter eight, verse 58, he says this, he says, before Abraham was I am. Jesus is giving some people a history lesson on Jewish history. And they say, who are you? You're less than 50 years old. And you're talking like you were there with Abraham, with this, this father of our nation who we hold in such high esteem and such high regard. And Jesus says, I tell you that before Abraham was, I am. What's happening there? Jesus is putting himself in a position of power and authority over their Father Abraham. He is saying that he has been there since the beginning. And more than that, he says before Abraham was, I am. Jews did not say I am because I am is not just two little words. It's not little articles. I am is the name of God. When Moses was at the burning bush and he says to God, who do I say sent me? When I go to Pharaoh, when I go to your people, who should I say sent me? And God responds, you tell them that I am sent you. You tell them that I am that I am. So when Jesus is saying before Abraham was, I am, he's not only putting himself above Abraham, he's also putting himself on equal footing with God. He is claiming to be God himself. And so Jesus claims equality with God. He says, before Abraham was, I am. In 1030, he says, I and the Father are one. And he is one with God the Father. In 1125, he says, I am am, there it is again, I am the resurrection and the life. 
And in 14.6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, time and time and time again, Jesus claimed big things about himself. He didn't just claim to be a moral teacher. He didn't just claim to be a prophet. He didn't even just claim to be the Christ. He didn't just claim to be the Savior. He didn't just claim to be the chosen one of God, although all of those things are true of him. No, he claimed to be God himself. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I and the Father are one. So while Jesus' actions in performing these miracles, while his actions ruled out the idea that he was a liar or a lunatic, Jesus' words in claiming equality with God, in claiming to be one with the Father, that ruled out the idea that he was just a prophet or that he was just a good moral teacher or that he was just a luminary. And so the Pharisees hated him because he was saying that he was God. And if I go to each of those instances that I point to you, we, I pointed out to you, we see that this happens time and time again. When he says, before Abraham was, I am, that's in 858. Before Abraham was, I am. And then 859, the very next thing, so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus himself went out of the temple. If I go to before, where it says, the Father and I are one in 1030, it says, I and the Father are one, and then in 31, the next verse, it says, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you going to stone me? Guys, this happened over and over and over again, where Jesus would claim equality with God. Jesus would say, look, I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just some moral luminary. I'm not just a spiritual guru. I am God. He said it in no uncertain terms. He was hated for it, and eventually he was killed for it. But Jesus' actions ruled out that he was a liar, and Jesus' words ruled out that he was just a prophet or just a moral teacher. Because here's the thing, if, if Jesus was just a prophet, then the Pharisees were right to hate him the way they did. They were right that he was blaspheming, but, but that's not who he was. That's not who he is. He's not just a moral teacher. He's not a liar. So then what are we left with? His actions ruled out the possibility that he's a liar or a lunatic. His words ruled out the possibility that he was just a moral luminary. And so there's only one option left. And that is that he is exactly who he says he is. That he is not a liar, he is not a lunatic, and he's not just a luminary, but that he is Lord. And I think that's exactly what the man who was blind realizes in this moment as he stands before the Pharisees. Because then they cast him out and look at what happens in verse 35. Then Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. 
Guys, you don't say, Lord, I believe, and fall down and worship a prophet. You worship the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the creator and sustainer of all things, the eternal word of God who spoke all of creation into existence and sustains it, upholds it, in whom we live and we move and we have our being. In that moment, that man who was born blind, who now can see, realizes that the man who healed him is not merely a a comforting prophet. It's not merely some traveling healer. It's not some snake oil salesman doing some magic tricks to make people feel better. He realizes that that man who healed him, who gave him his sight, is the very same God that created him in the first place. Guys, that is who Jesus is. That is who he claimed to be, and that is who he showed himself to be by his actions and by his words. He is Lord. And our only right response to that truth is the response of that man who was blind and now he sees. Our only right response to that truth is to fall down and to worship him. When we first started, I shared with you a story out of Matthew chapter 16 where where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? There's a parallel story, a very similar instance in John chapter 6. This is right after Jesus has fed the 5,000. And then those people, they track him down and they say, Jesus, Jesus, we want to know more. And he goes, you don't want to know more. You just want to eat more. And then he starts teaching them. And, and the things that he says are hard. They're these same kind of things that, that made the Pharisees hate him. And all of the people start leaving because they don't like the words of Jesus. They just like the blessings. And so they start, they start leaving and they start walking away and Jesus turns and he looks at his 12, his disciples, his closest friends, his closest followers. And he asks them, he says, are you gonna leave too? These truths about me are hard. They're hard to stomach. They're hard to comprehend. They're hard to wrap our brains around. So are you going to leave too? And Peter responds like this. Verse 66, it says, After many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him, so Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, Peter knew exactly what was going on. He knew that the man who stood before him was not a liar. He knew that he was not just some moral luminary. He knew that the man who stood before him was his Lord. He knew that the man who stood before him was the man who was there before Abraham, that he was the very word of God made flesh. And he knew that in him were the words to eternal life. So he says, where could we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are Lord. We're going to talk more about what those words are. We're going to talk more about eternal life and how our understanding of Jesus makes the difference in eternity. We're going to talk about that tomorrow, but tonight I want to leave you with this question.
Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you say that he's a liar? Do you say that he's a lunatic? Do you say that he's a luminary? Or do you say that he is Lord? Do you say that he is exactly who he says he is and exactly who he shows himself to be? The Holy One of God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the creator, the sustainer, the ruler of all things, that he is Lord. Who do you say that Jesus is? Because you don't have the luxury of not having an answer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his works. We thank you for his words. We thank you that Christ has shown us the truth of who he is. God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, we would trust in that truth. We would rely on the truth of scripture and we would trust that Jesus really is Lord. That he really is the one who goes back before Abraham, who always has been, who always will be, who holds the universe in the palm of his hand in whom we live and move and have our being. God, we thank you for the testimony of Christ. We pray that we would trust in it because he has the words of eternal life. He holds the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.